All right, how many are ready for Christmas? Doesn't matter if you are or not, because it's here. All right. Thanksgiving's in the rearview mirror, and we now have Christmas full on ahead, and we're excited about that. But it is that, it's that one last Sunday in November, right, where you think, can we officially do this yet? Yes, you have my permission. You can officially be all in on Christmas. And I love what Brittany was teaching the children, that, that we're, we're celebrating this season of waiting. We're waiting for Christ's return. And so we have something that we can anticipate. And it's coming off of the heels of, of a holiday where we get to pause for just a moment and we, we get to be thankful. And you know, whether you were had one or two or 122 that you were celebrating Thanksgiving with, you have something to be thankful for in Christ Jesus. Because he is the one who makes all things good and makes all things right. And he gives us a reason to be thankful. And so that's why we wanted to, something that I've done since uh, we've been here in Weatherford is we've taken this last Sunday of, of November and as we begin to enter into the Christmas season, one of the things that we've started doing is we do the Lord's Supper. Because we live at a point in the historical timeline when we have the advantage of knowing not just the beginning of the story, but we know the rest of the story as well. That Jesus not only came and was born and was Messiah, but that he gave his life for us. That he, was, he lived a perfect and sinless life. That he was crucified on a cross, he died, he was buried, and three days later he rose again. And it's in that power of the resurrection that we have hope, that we have life here on earth, and that we have something to be thankful about and something to look forward to, not just Christmas and, and presents and celebrating his birth, which is fantastic and wonderful to do, but also the hope that we have that he too is coming again. And there will be a day where there is no more death and there is no more sin, But there is a day coming when he will wipe all that out. And there will be no tears and and no crying, but we will only be rejoicing and being with him again. And so that's what we're looking forward to. And so we want to celebrate that today by looking at and celebrating the Lord's Supper as well. One of the greatest teachings on the Lord's Supper is actually Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And so if you have your Bible, you can open it there. If not, the scriptures will be on the screen for you as well. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Paul writes these words. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then look at this last verse. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's so much that's happening here. One of the things that has always stood out to me is here we have Jesus who is is approaching what he knows is his crucifixion. It's his death that is coming on the cross, and he takes his disciples aside, and he takes an example from something that they're going to do most every day of their life from then on. They're going to have a meal. And he says, look, any time that you do these things, you need to remember 
You need to remember what this means, that I've broken my body for you so that you can be forgiven of your sins, so that you can have a relationship with Christ. My blood has been spelled out to wash you clean and so that you can live a life that is holy and righteous, something that you couldn't do on your own but can only happen because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine being a disciple and then, do you think they ever ate the same way again? You think they ever went anywhere again and saw somebody breaking bread at a table and didn't think about, this is what Christ has done for me. This is what my life is about. This is my focus. And when Paul writes those words, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, when did they eat and drink? Every day. And so to me, it's a reminder that every day we're supposed to be living a life that reflects what Christ has done for us so that we can be a light for others around us. That's what it means. And to do that, what, what Jesus was telling the disciples is you need to take a moment and you need to remember. You need to remember. Peter, you need to remember that you were fishing. You were out just kind of on your own. Remember that, Peter? And you remember when I called you and I said, look, you're, you're not going to fish this way anymore. You're going to be a fisher of men. You remember that? And Peter, do you remember all the things that we've been through along the way? Do you remember the three years of walking together? Do you remember denying me and walking away? Do you remember me coming back and restoring you and saying, okay, upon you, Peter, I'm going to start building the church. Do you remember all that stuff? Peter, Peter had to remember those things. All the disciples had to remember. But you know what? We, too, are called to remember because everybody's story in this place has some similar parts to it. There's the story of, I don't know who Christ is. I don't know about him. I don't live my life for him. Now, some, some might still be living that story in this place. For some of you, you may have given your life to Christ a long time ago, and so it, it may be something that's way back there. But for everyone, there was a point in our life where Christ was not Lord of our life where we were separated from him, where we were away from him. And we need to remember that we all were once there, that we all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And then there are many in this room who have come to that place where they have believed and they've put their life on the fact that Jesus Christ was died, had died, was buried, and rose again after the third day. And they've put their faith in him. And we need to remember what it's like to say, to come to that moment and say, I, I know this is true. I know this is meaningful. I know this is everything for me. And that life will never be the same now that I've, I've given my heart and my life to Christ. We need to remember what it's like to one day be living for ourselves and the next day be, be in a place where we're trying to live for Christ. You know, we need to remember that that journey takes some time, doesn't it? That it didn't happen overnight where all of a sudden Christ comes to our life and everything's roses and perfect and, and, and lovely. It, life doesn't happen that way because Jesus says it very plainly when he tells the disciples that, hey, in this world you'll have trouble. In this world you'll have trouble. Anybody have trouble in this world? Anybody? All right. So Jesus is not a liar. Amen? In this world we'll have trouble. But he also says these words, but take heart. I have overcome this world. Now, this is what we're talking about today. Jesus Christ has overcome this world. And I know many of you would say, well, it sure doesn't seem like it, does it? And when I turn on the news, actually when I just go outside my door, <laughs> when you have to turn on the news, it doesn't seem like Christ has 
overcome this world. What in the world is going on? But he says, remember, take heart. I have done these things. I've overcome the world so you can be a light in it. It doesn't mean that everything has been made perfect yet because Scripture teaches us that though Jesus' death and burial and resurrection began his kingdom, that his kingdom is already here, but it is not yet fulfilled in all of its fullness. And that's what we wait on. We wait for Jesus to come again and to fulfill his kingdom in all of its fullness. Scripture also teaches us that we live in such a time where if you take the parable of the weeds, you understand it this way, that there are good things that are happening in our world right along evil that is happening in our world. And Christ is patient, waiting for the right time to come because he says, as soon as I come and I start taking care of all the sin and all the evil and all the death and all the hurting in the world, that's also it. There's no more opportunity for people to come to know me. That's it. That's the end. And so it's by God's love and patience that our world continues to be in a place where it might not seem like he's overcome it, but he has. There's nothing that's beyond his control. There's nothing that's beyond his scope. And the best place that you see this is in the heart of a person who has given their life to Christ. That has the testimony that Christ can overcome. He has led me from an old life into a new life and I look forward with anticipation even to the future life that will be even better with him. But to get to that place and to to understand the fullness of that, we're called at times to remember. Now, let's be honest. There's some of you have been on this planet a little longer than I have in here. And when we need to remember some of the things that we've gone through in life, we, we remember these things with a reason and with a purpose. We remember them to be able to give hope to others that there's a God that can see us through these things. God can take the difficulties of your life and use them in such a way that other people might come to know him and confess him because you'll stand in front of people and say, hey, I once went through this. I once dealt with this. I once was this way. But now, because of what Christ has done, I'm now a different person. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here when he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim that there's power in that, that there's hope in a future. We have to remember. So what is it that we're remembering? Well, the first thing this morning that I want to show to you is this. We remember that God is with me. Remember that God is with me. No matter what it is that you're going through in life, no matter what season you're in, no matter what difficulty you're facing, you need to know this, that God is with you. And he has overcome. Deuteronomy 31.8 says it this way, the Lord himself goes before you. Let me just stop there. What are you facing in life that's causing you fear? What are you facing in life that's causing you maybe to just want to, to just maybe stop and, and not go there all the way? Listen to this. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged because God is with you. God is with you. And we need to remember that God is with us because we can see that he has been with us in times in life if we will just stop and take a moment to remember. And say, God, I remember when you walked with me through this. God, I remember when you saw me through this. And God, I'm facing something right now that I've never faced before, and I don't like it. But I remember that you've seen me through that, and I know that you'll see me through whatever is coming next. That's something to remember today, that we have hope in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God is 
with us. He's gone before us. He'll walk with us through it, and he'll see it through. We need to remember that. We need to remember this. I'm welcome at the table. Anybody get to move from the kid table to the big table this year? Anyone? No? Kevin? Sorry, man. You'll get there, Kevin. It's okay. Man, there's just something about sitting at a table, isn't there, with all your family and friends or several tables as it was at at my house. And and there's something about sitting at a table and being welcome and being comfortable and, and knowing that you're in the right place. Well, you know, what we need to remember is that because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are now welcome at the table of God. You see, before, we were sinners. We were separated from God. Before we give our hearts and our lives to Christ, there's no reason that we have a spot at the table because our sin has separated us from God. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, when we place our faith in him, we are then welcome at the table, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he has done. And that's what we need to remember is that now I am welcome at the table. In Romans, there's a beautiful picture of this, it says this in Romans 5, beginning in verse 18. It says, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. See, this is a a, a synopsis, if you will, of what Scripture is teaching us, is that it's, it's, we know, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were told, you don't don't go here, don't don't take this fruit, don't be a part of that, and they did it anyway. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, if I'd have been there, I'd have done it different. And let me just go ahead and tell you, no, you wouldn't have, because we wouldn't have. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe you wouldn't have eaten the fruit, but you'd done something else. There's nothing in and of ourselves on our own power that can ever impress the one who created us and knows us inside and out. It's only by his grace and by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have a seat at the table with God. And this is what this teaches us. Is that, say, even even though... That all mankind has sinned and separated themselves from God is by the act of one righteous man, the perfect, sinless Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us that we now have a seat at the table. We're all drawn to him, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. We are now welcome at the table with God, and it is good to be at God's table. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to remember what it is like to be at the table with God, with his body broken for us and his blood spilled for us so that we can have access to the table and be with God. We need to remember the sacrifice that was made for us to be able to come to the table. And then we need to remember this. We need to remember that I have a story to share. We need to remember this. I have a story to share. Again, Paul writes... In verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, you you have a story to share. Here's here's something that I discovered this week. Now, I have to tell you this. Not everyone that's gathered in my family, I I don't think that all of them profess to believe in in Jesus. Not all of them profess to to follow God. And so when you come together as family, you're, 
you're kind of looking in this place and, and you're going, I know not everybody here believes like I believe. And here's something that dawned on me, and it continues to dawn on me, dawned on me again this week, is I'm weird. <laughs> I just wanted you to know that. I sit there with my family, I look around, it would be easy to point a finger and go, no, they're weird. But I actually have this honest thing that's, deep, that's sinking deep inside of me, and I think it needs to sink deep inside the heart of every believer, and I think we need to embrace our weirdness. Because here's what makes us a little different than everybody else, is that we have an extra ingredient. There, there's, there's something else that we put into every equation that nobody else does, and, and we put into every equation how we interpret the world, how we see things. We put our faith in Christ. And so we filter everything that we see through this faith in Christ and this belief in him. And we see things differently. And we need to understand that because we do that, we honestly, we have a story to share. And I know sometimes we tend not to want to share our stories. Because sometimes we look at our story and go, this is a pretty boring story. But the truth is, and I'm becoming more and more convinced of this every day, that your story of faith in Christ is the most powerful message of the gospel, period. And, and we tend to look at other people and go, oh, look what they've done and what they've been through and, and how they share their story, and I could never do that. Or we tend to look at other people and go, oh, man, my story's nothing like this, and it makes us sometimes not, not want to share our story. But, but hear me, your story of I was once this way. I once thought this way. I once acted this way. But now because of Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm seeing things different. I'm acting a little different. I'm doing things a little bit different. I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. But man, it, it sure is making me different. That story to share is something that's very powerful. And let's be honest, because many of us were around family this week, and I sat there going, this is the hardest mission field in the world. Because these people have known me, and they've known me, yeah, they know that too. Mm-hmm. They, they've been, you know what I mean? And we even talked about this in, in Sunday school a little bit. It's easier to get on a plane sometimes and fly halfway around the world and tell someone about Jesus than it is to look across the table at a cousin or an uncle or a brother or a sister or something like that and say, this is what God's done in my life. Sometimes that's real difficult because they look at you and go, I remember when. And here's what you need to go. I remember that too. I remember, but this is what's different now. And you have a wonderful opportunity to share the story because like Paul says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. You realize that as believers in Christ, those of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, your life is proclaiming his death. The question is, how are you doing it? It's not if you are doing it. Because, see, people are looking at you as you have said that I profess to be a Christian. Then they're looking at you and they're trying to interpret, well, what does this mean to be a follower of Christ? And that's why it's so important for us to remember what Christ has done in our life and to remember that I have a story that I need to share with other people. And that story's not done yet. Everybody do this with me. Breathe in. Breathe out. See, your story's not done because you're still doing that. And that's just the truth. As long as you do that, your story's not finished. Your story may not look like it's going the direction that you want it to go. It's not done yet. Your, your story may not be everything that you want it to be. It's not done yet. God is not finished with you yet. If you 
are breathing and alive on this planet, you have a story to share. You have the opportunity to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ until he comes. And I know that sounds like, why would I want to do that? Because that is the power that we have, is that Jesus Christ has overcome sin. He's overcome death. And we do not have to live that way anymore because of what he's done. That's why we come to the table today and we celebrate. And that's why I love to do this right at the beginning of Christmas where we focus as we should so much on the celebration of his birth. We have the advantage of knowing the rest of the story. And what it means. And that's why we can put it all together. And in this season, we can shine our light brighter than anyone else because we know and we remember what Christ has done for us.